live at Bar Canada inside the D Hotel and Casino. It's Cofield and Company. Your dad is like freaking Ari on steroids. Yeah. That is the worst. No, I'm very aggressive. It's, it's ridiculous. I'm just out of control. That was my shot arm. I don't know why I just did that. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. The D. Bar Canada. On this Monday, it's Cofield and Company. Angels down here with us. Adam Hill is the co-host. We got hockey, uh, hockey action going on right now. Towards the end of the second early game, Montreal on top of Calgary, 2-1. to one. And the game we're all keeping an eye on, Colorado, Avs, down, down, down. 2 nothing right now to St. Louis. Could, 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 out, could come out of the pandemic, losing two of three. Uh, yeah, they just they just had a power play and uh, had a couple of good chances, weren't able to score, so... Still 2 nothing, St. Louis here as Colorado tries to put on some pressure, but nothing really coming of it. Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. You know, this hour we're going to talk about NFL teams that have let their fans down. You know what, even the Yankees. We had Danielle McCartan on last hour, and, you know, she was talking about something I've mentioned many times that uh, just because the kids are handed the keys to the Cadillac doesn't mean they're going to run the organization the same way. Like, in the case of the Yankees, George Steinbrenner, he may have been a lunatic and he overreacted all the time, but you know he wanted to win. Like, his heart was in the right place. He executed it poorly for many, many years, especially in the 80s, but he wanted to win. Do his kids want to win? Not really. <laughs> right? Here you go. Here's a fortune. Here's, uh, you know, one of the most famous brands in the world. Eh, we're going to react to it by cutting corners. Let's save money. What? So you wonder, is there some point where Yankee fans will actually get together and go, you know what, start acting like your dad and trying to win at all costs or sell the team. Sell the team. Well, something like this is developing in European soccer. Are the fans, with the help of some Arsenal alums and some rich partners, trying to pull a coup here on Kroenke? Essentially. This is cool, Fan- really, really cool, because last week we told you at the end of the week about how fans and players got together and actually beat back some of the biggest money people in the world with this stupid Super League con- um, concept, and they won the battle. So now what's happening? Well, there's been protests going on about Crocky for a long time. Protest! Uh, they, well, they, they've I been upset it. for a long time, since he's been involved in the team for over a decade uh, when he became the controlling partner just in 2018, um, they have not been thrilled with his the direction of the program or, or the the organization and everything else. Uh, they've tried to, you know, express their desire to have changes made. Uh, this weekend, it kind of bubbled over with on-site protests. Uh, over 2,000 fans. There was a lot of uh, you know burning of memorabilia and and gear and that sort of thing, just making the case that they want him out. And as part of it, there is a group that is formed to say, not only do we want you out, here's the money. The founder of Spotify, massive Arsenal fan, and he's like, you know what? 
let's go. He got some, you know, some legends of the uh, of the club together. He's got some other European soccer legends. Uh, they've all got the money. He's got three and a half billion. The, the franchise is valued at two billion. Uh, so he's like, let's go, let's buy it. But all indications are, Crocky Sports and Entertainment is like, no, nah, we're good. We're keeping the team. You can you can make all the offers you want. We're keeping this thing. Uh, they've already made a significant amount of money on it, as I said, up to $2 billion in value, uh, much more than they paid to gain their controlling interest. So uh, they don't seem to have any interest in selling. Maybe the continued protests will force something to happen. But for right now, it's just fans being angry, fans showing up and expressing that anger, and ownership saying, we're good. There's nothing to see here. It's amazing. But I do like the flexing of the muscles by the fans. They're trying. On multiple fronts. Next up. Number four. I'm just going to play this rant for you. I think it's mostly tongue-in-cheek. But I want you to hear it because this can't be reality. If you're if you're a sports fan in a city, you have to root for, like, winning is the ultimate goal, not winning a little bit. Here's Stephen A. talking about the situation now. With the Knicks, Knicks have this long win streak. You know, they're finally somewhat relevant again, although you, know, you could argue they're going to get bounced in the first round. So uh, we'll see what happens. But, you know, Stephen A., part of his bid is to get all worked up and yell and rant and rave, and he is a Knicks fan. They have one of the best records in basketball. They have a guy that I believe to be the best on the planet, if not top two on the planet, when he's completely healthy and an absolute showstopper in Kyrie Irving. And guess what? Barely anyone cares. Barely anyone cares in New York City compared to the Knicks, okay? Because the New York Knicks are the team that's buzzing. The New York Knicks are the one stealing headlines. Everybody is talking about the New York Knicks. Number one, the Brooklyn Nets must go to the NBA Finals. If they don't get to the NBA Finals, the New York Knicks will be considered a better story just because they got to the playoffs. What? So the standard on the Nets is they have to make the finals. If the Knicks make the playoffs, it's a bigger story. And by the way, let's go back to the middle of his comment. We're talking about it now because we thought these comments were interesting. The rest of the country is not talking about the Knicks over the Nets in general. The Nets are a title contender. They're the favorite here. Contender? They're the favorite here in Vegas. The Knicks and their little win streak here to eke above 500. <laughs> Fun Great. story. I mean, you understand it, though, right? In New York, the Knicks have a longer history. Sure. The Nets are the new team. They're they were, real, they're, they were they're, New Jersey. Yeah, they really are New Jersey's team. So if you don't want them, I'll keep them. I've been a Nets fan the whole, the whole time. Never gave up on them. Never got frustrated they went to Brooklyn. Love them. So you're right. Enjoy your playoff appearance, Knicks fans. Just, Just silly. Keep going. They will be the talk of the offseason. Everyone will be talking about the New York Knicks. I want to state for the record, whether they admit it or not, that if the New York Knicks are in the playoffs and the Brooklyn Nets don't win the chip, KD, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving will regret Oh, the day go. they pass on becoming a Max New York Knicks. He right. makes right. the stories the Knicks right now. I, I, the Nets are in a. first so place in the inter- East we and just stop the Suns. We just, we just go interrupt, yes, right? We just go interrupt. Y'all don't act like that, right? All right, for everyone else in the show, I'm going to quote one of the great orators of our era. If Stephen A. is speaking, everyone else, stay in your lane. 
I want to hear the end of the rant. Want to hear the end of the rant? I think he's done. KD and Kyrie are not regretting being on the future world champion Nets as opposed to eking into the playoffs. Stop, Stephen A. I get what you're doing. Silly. I get what you're doing. The bottom line is to get people ruffled. You know, they get their feathers all ruffled. That's okay. I get it. But this is silliness. Would the, would the Nets go to Newark or would they go to, like, the Brendan Byrne Arena? Is that still there? It is still there, yes. Where would they go back to? Jersey uh, wants them back. Let's go. I think at this point they'd probably get a brand new arena. So <laughs> Yeah, probably. They're hot as a pistol. In Secaucus? They, they, actually, have, the they actually have assets slash players that people want to see. Could we put them at the shore? It, it would, I think it would do well, yes. I like it. The they just go full like Jersey Shore, the New Jersey Guineas. Whoa, whoa, Why whoa, whoa. not? What? What? Full Jersey Shore, I okay. say. I don't, I don't know about that one. I don't like that name. It's just that's, from that's Jersey an affront, Shore. That's an affront to my people. It was just a Jersey Shore reference. It is. I know it is a Jersey Shore <laughs> reference. That's it. There's nothing beyond it. So Stephen A is not serious here, right? Kyrie and Katie are not regretting no, that they're on one of the best teams in the East, and the team they laughed at is – Barely getting in the playoffs. He's doing Stephen And I don't want to hear things. about a four seed. They're, they're getting knocked out in the first round. Right. Stop. He's doing Stephen A things. That's just what he, that's what he does. All right. It's good. Number three. How would you compare New York fans who are settling for mediocrity of the Knicks as compared to your team, the Golden State Warriors? My dubs. How do you balance watching Steph Curry play this well, but the team's not that good. Isn't the ultimate Whoa, winning? whoa, whoa. team's not that good. We've won like six of eight. It's a 500 team. Come on. We've won six of eight to get here. There we go Clearly with the on the right side of the playoff bubble. We're going to get into the play-in round, win our way in, and then nothing, who knows what can happen from there. Yes, Steph is having an amazing month, and it's fun. Set the record for most threes in a month, and it's still, there's still a week left in this month, which is insanity. He's he's providing fun every night while the team is winning. This is this is as good as it gets right now. Listen, you have to understand where we came from last year. We were awful, terrible. So for you to say we're just eking into the playoffs, we would have taken that. This is a big improvement. We're on the right track. Number two. Such a hater. I can't take you seriously. You're such a hater. Kofin and Company live from the D. Downtown Las Vegas. Bar Canada is the site. Top two stories. Anthony Davis back, speaking confidently, saying that the Lakers are fine. Do not count them out. Put us up against anyone. I don't think no one wants to see us first round. Like I said, I know the type of team that we have, um, and I know what we can do. I, I think we, we're, we're capable of beating anyone in a seven-game series. I can't argue it. No. I got no argument for it. I think they're handling this nicely. Um, I do want to see what LeBron looks like when he comes back. I want to see what both of them look like in terms of upping their minutes to where they need to. But to me, the Lakers have done a brilliant job resisting temptation and operating with this as a slow play. Don't rush the guys back. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. When he says... I don't think anybody wants to see us in the first round. Yeah, of course. Nobody wants to see see your team in the playoffs, even though right now they're in the five seed and they'd be playing, I think, the Nuggets in the first round. 
uh, a Nuggets team, by the way, without one of its best players because of injury. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think every team around them, and the Nuggets in particular, are looking and saying, how is this the team we're drawing in the first round? How do we get a Lakers team that will not have a great record but will once again be at full strength and a contender to win the title in the first round? I think I think a lot of teams that are their potential matchup there uh, are dreading that and not happy about that. And every series they're in, the other team's going to look across and be like, Lakers, with these guys, this sucks. He's right about that, for sure. Number one. So we opened the show talking about the big Chiefs move, which I think got swallowed up by the weekend because it was late in the week. Uh, Orlando Brown gets traded over to the Chiefs, and you're like, all right, now they have a future left tackle. You know they're going to pay him a real deal. Uh, they already added freaking uh, long to the line. Uh, Joe Tooney cost a lot of money stealing away from the Patriots. Now in the future, they're going to have the money for Orlando Brown. They've got Frank Clark on the defensive side. They've got Honey Badger making a lot of money. Uh, who else am I missing? Who's the other defensive line? Chris Jones is making nice money. Obviously, there's Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Like, ah! Is there a cap? Is there a cap? Because to me, this this coincides with the fact that we're now hearing Julio Jones could be available. Now, here's the trick. He's probably not going to be traded before the draft, though, right? No, in fact, he can't. The way that the, the salary cap is set up, it has to be after June 1st. After June 1st, they save 15 mil against the cap. If they did it before, it would be a $23 million cap hit. So I want to get into the Raiders' interest in him down the road. But I got to tell you, if I wake up, whatever, June 7th, and I see a headline, the Chiefs have added Julio Jones, I'm going to freaking meltdown. Because I don't understand how the Chiefs can do all this. I don't think they can. How, how can they keep doing Adam! Before they got, think about it, before they got Orlando Brown, they were in on Trent Williams, who got over $23 million a year. Why can they do this with the salary cap? And our team here, the local team, not my team, but our team. They're very creative. Okay, well, is it? Bottom line. I I hate talking about the salary cap because I feel like you need a, a degree from MIT. Is there someone with the Raiders who has that degree? Because someone with the Chiefs does. They have, yes, they have just, and I think the better example is the Knights. I mean, the Knights massaging of the cap and their ability to figure out the cap. I think other teams in the NHL are like, what is is this, the Chiefs? Will you tell me right, will you rule out right now that the Chiefs will not have Julio Jones? Yes. Rule it out. It's just too much money. It's, yeah, yes, it's too much. He's He's owed three Three years and like $38 million. He's also also 32. They were in on Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju's 25. I'm saying, but money-wise. Right, but he's way more expensive and way older. Like, I don't think you can Uh, do that. Juju is going to cost him like nine and a half, ten million. You're right. Julio Jones is more expensive. I just, every person who's available, I'm like, all right, Chiefs are going to get him. This is is what the Yankees were. Yeah, but the Yankees didn't have a cap. That's sure, the difference. I know. It's supposed to be the equalizer. And I feel like some teams are like, cap, 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 cap. Like, how can we can't improve, cap? Chiefs are like, cap. Well, it does sound like and when, when we talked about Mahomes' deal, we, we heard about how flexible the contracts that the Chiefs sign are to allocate different money different times. Like, again, at some point, it is my belief and the belief of a lot of people around the league, like, at some point it all catches up to them and they have to take a big step backward because of the cap, but they keep – 
moving that timeout. They keep spreading out uh, the time to when that's going to happen and pushing it back and pushing it off. And so they've figured out something with the formula for the cap. But at some point, it does catch up to you. When? I'm saying they're, 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 they know that this is their window. So they're like, we don't care what happens next year, four or years five from years from now. I mean, they're, they're spreading these contracts out way down the line, seven, eight years. What if they keep just adjusting? Isn't the Possible. Mahomes deal all built through bonuses? Sure, but at some point and you have to pay them. Oh, you keep saying this is going to happen. Like, I mean, it did happen to the Saints. Yeah, they extended, you know, for so much money and stretched out Breeze. And they knew that, that they got. They and that's got, why they didn't get. They're not a bad team. They're going to take a step back. How much? We'll see. I mean, they'll take a step back, though. I mean, they they've. When I was looking at you know draft needs and where they go, I'm like, they need somewhere everywhere. They do. Because they're so shorthanded because of the cap. But, but you get my point. They if, did the if, same thing. if their drop dead year is still a playoff year, then why are we with the Raiders? Why why is it cap every year? Like what? if the worst year the Saints are gonna have are we is sure? barely making the playoffs. Are we sure? Of like, what? I believe in Jameis. But I mean they could they could take a major step back and not be anywhere close to the playoffs for sure. Well we're gonna see. Especially with and, you know with and, and I'm sure what you're gonna hear is, Oh, Breeze to Jameis, what do you think is gonna happen? Like, no. You lost like your like third through seventh corner. You lost two safety. You lost guys like they've lost people at every well, position. Adam, the other part of this is when you're the Chiefs and when you're the Saints, you trust in your ability to draft. We'll get to that on the way back. This is a massive week for the Raiders. Not only do they have to upgrade talent at lots of positions and depth, frankly, they have to make up for some of the mistakes they made the last couple of years. There's a lot of pressure going into this draft. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Live at Bar Canada inside the D Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Company. It's going to be a crazy-ass draft. Just watch. Says a twenty uh, a scout of a 2020 playoff team. Said after the 12th pick, I feel like it's going to be wild. Uh, wild Wild West regarding who teams pick. I know scouts who have wildly different grades on players than I do, even more than normal. Less interaction means less group think and more surprises. If a team loves a player, they're going to jump the gun to get him. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Did a, uh, did a story you wrote about the unpredictability uh, of the draft just pop up? Yeah. On your webpage? Just published. Oh, boy. Um, Is this what you talked about? Maybe not in relation to this ESPN.com story, but the Raiders do what they want, and now we've got a year where people can't get the medicals. Uh, personnel folks and GMs just did not get the exposure to players like they normally would. This could be crazy, and there's no one crazier in the NFL draft in terms of what most people think the board looks like than the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, true. And so uh, that story involves uh, the betting board and, and where the Raiders are predicted to go uh, with that first-round pick. Um, I, I Just on the, on the concept you were referencing earlier, I think I said this a couple weeks ago about mock drafts, too where we're all falling into, well, mock drafts have this guy going here, mock drafts have this guy going there. There wasn't a combine, and that's where all this information gets shared. And it's not even necessarily 
a GM is not telling media people at the combine, hey, we're taking this guy. But guess what does happen? GMs and scouts and front office people and media people drink together at the same bars. There's like three bars and restaurants that everybody goes to. And then at the end of the day, they might not say, hey, we're drafting player X, but they might say, hey, did you see how good player X looked today? And then you get that sense of like, all right, this team likes this guy uh, because they're drinking and they're, you know, spilling as, as people do when they're at the bar, sharing secrets. And so with those things not happening, I think we get a lot less information traded back and forth about where people are going. So all of this makes sense that you don't have that group think. You don't have people coming together and forming consensus opinions because they're not in the same place. They're not in the same area. They're not together. So you don't see that. Uh, but in terms of the Raiders, yeah, the, the, the odds were posted today uh, here in Las Vegas of who the Raiders' first pick of the first round is. Eight players are tied for favorite status, all at 12-1. to 1. Now, I don't know what book that's from. I saw a book last week, have it posted, and they, they weren't all 12-1. to 1. There were some, They were clearly favorites down at like 5 or 6-1. to 1. So where is this at? Uh, it's at Westgate. Okay. Uh, so they posted there, who will the Raiders' first selection be? All right. Eight players at 12-1. to 1. Elijah Vera Tucker, Christian Derisaw, Tevin Jenkins, Jeremiah Owasu-Koromoa, Dylan Radins, Christian Barmore, Quiddy Pay, Micah Parsons. All 12-1. to 1. Uh, You've got guys like Greg Newsom, who we just talked about as a corner, uh, Jalen Phillips, uh, Jamin Davis, Jason Owe. Well, Jason Owe is 25. Those other guys are all 20-1. to 1. Caleb Farley, 30-1. to 1. Aziz Ojalari, my guy, 30-1. to 1. Trey Lance and Justin Fields, 30-1, to 1, which would mean they'd have to trade up uh, to get there. Uh, Alex Leatherwood, a guard. David Collins, a linebacker. Uh, Samuel Cosby, an offensive tackle. Jackson Carmen, a guard. Uh, but all these different guys are 35, 40, 50 to 1 to go with that first pick that the Raiders have. And keep in mind, again, with all these picks, doesn't necessarily mean 17. If you're like, well, they can't get Trey Lance at number 17, well, they could trade up, and then maybe it's for one of the quarterbacks. Or you could trade down and take an Alex Leatherwood or Dylan Radins later in the first round. Uh, there's just so many possibilities, and you know, I think a lot of people assume, and four of those players are offensive tackle, so a lot of people assume maybe it's offensive tackle. Uh, but there's no guarantee that it's tackle. They need a lot. They have a lot of needs on defense as well. And I have, you know, I've heard Micah Parsons is very high on their list. Who knows if he's available? Uh, and there are certainly some yellow flags there. But uh, if he's there, maybe they go in that direction. And he's one of those guys that's also twelve to one. So just so many possibilities of where the Raiders could go with that pick in terms of making the selection, trading out, trading back, whatever they could do. Uh, but there's really no rhyme or reason. And, and I called over uh, to one of the guys that's responsible for setting the number, and I just said, you know, what, what, what goes into this? Like, why is it so unpredictable? Why are there so many guys that are long shots and nobody's a favorite? And he said, you just don't know what the Raiders are going to do. They're one of the teams, when you said things could get crazy – the Raiders have gotten crazy each of the last two years. Yeah. Cleveland Furl was projected in the 20s. Raiders picked him fourth. Damon Arnett was predicted in the third round. They picked him 19th. So who knows what the Raiders are going to do? I told the audience last week when I saw the, the numbers out here at Circa, I was like, I'll, I'll roll the dice on, on like the fourth or fifth guy. Yeah, why not? Because Here's the number at the Circa. Raiders uh, first draft selection, the player. So, the, you know what, let's take a break. On the way back, I'll give you the, the full rundown here. They don't have everyone up high at 12-1. to 1. They do have some favorites. 
We'll see what people want to do. Because uh, three days away, I'm not sure what the Raiders are doing. And if you listen to Mike Mayock, who was in the story, uh, he doesn't exactly feel make you feel more confident that you know they they may not they may go with the wild card again. It's the Raiders. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. You're listening to Cofield and Company live at Bar Canada inside the D. All right, so the Westgate put up some really interesting odds, Adam. You're saying a bunch of players are 12 to 1 for the, the uh, actual 17th pick in the draft for the Raiders? Eight of them. Eight of them. Here's what Circa has Circa is actually making some of them favorites. And Adam can explain why the Westgate did what it, what it was doing or it did. Uh, Vera Tucker from USC is the favorite at 6 to 1. Barmore. Darasaw and Phillips are second up at uh, eight to one. After that, you can get Morig at twelve to one, Slater seventeen, Parsons eighteen, Horn, who would be a long shot to fall that far, twenty-five, Waddle forty-five, Field. I'm pretty sure Field last week was seven to one, and I was going to bet that even money, two fifty. <laughs> yeah, seven to one and two fifty. Yeah, so that's where they're reflecting the wackiness of the Raiders and how they draft. For sure. But Westgate's like, you know, it's unpredictable. So here's a bunch of guys at 12 to 1. Who do you want? Take your pick. One of these guys. And, yeah, some of them might be gone. Darisaw, I would assume, is gone. If if the Raiders get to their pick and Christian Darisaw's on the board and they don't take him, I don't, I don't even know what they're doing. I don't. And maybe they don't think they need a right tackle – uh, I know Mike Mayock said, hey, everybody thinks they know what our needs are. We know what our needs are. Like, uh, I think right tackle is kind of a need. Um, or or interior lineman later in the draft, and then you move Denzel Good to tackle. I don't think that's ideal, but, you know, maybe that's a possibility. But, yeah, I think if Christian Derisaw falls, because what Mayock said was, listen, we understand what our needs are, but we also understand, like, basically saying we're not going to say, well, we have a tackle here ranked – He's the 12th best player available right now, but we need a tackle. Let's take him. Right. Like, you, what's ideal in a draft is when your needs line up with the best player available, and then it becomes an easy decision. So if Christian Darisaw falls they, but, they, 17, but here's the thing. They don't draft like that. They haven't. Right? Best no, they player. have. They've taken their best – they've taken who they think is the best player on the board every year. You're right. It's their board. It's their board, though. Yeah, you're right. And their board's different than everybody else's. Like, I, I – have heard from several different people, Trevor Lawrence is not the number one quarterback on the board for every team. Okay. But he is for the Jaguars and for most teams. I mean, it was weird last week during Mayock, uh, during his press conference, he was talking about, you know, what what's needed, what's not. Didn't he mention, he, he said he was talking about a player they signed off the street. Yeah. And for last like, year. We're <laughs> like, I know, but we're like, wait, he so he's in the mix? Apparently. To be a starter? Apparently so. so. You don't need a right tackle? Uh, I mean, it was weird that he brought him up, right? I thought it was incredibly weird <laughs> that he brought him up. Yeah. I like, I don't know, I don't know where that came from. It was Jared Jones Smith who barely played. He played on special teams a couple snaps last year. Uh, they were developing him, yeah. and he was basically he's basically like, we really feel good about this kid. He didn't play. How good did you feel? You you had your your offensive line was decimated. He wasn't on the field. 364-1100, caller 11, 364-1100. You get a 
VIP haircut treatment at Floyd's 99 Cuts in Color. Haircut, hot lather, neck shave, shoulder massage, plus a free massage shampoo. Caller 11, it's just that easy. 364-1100, There's two, Floyd's 99 Cuts in Color. Henderson at Stephanie and Sunset and South Rainbow and the 215. You know, it got me thinking, The you know, the Raiders being unpredictable at their first pick is one thing. After that, I mean, they've had immense success grabbing guys like Max Crosby later in the draft. Foster Moreau we think is going to turn into a good player. Hunter Renfro? Hunter Renfro has been great considering where he was selected. But then I, it still sticks in my craw last year with Lynn Bowden. It's a bad pick. And, you know, folks don't remember, uh, he was one of the two third-round picks back-to-back in a belly-to-belly with Brian Edwards. And then all of a sudden he shipped out uh, a couple months later and there was really no reason given or the reason was kind of weird. You can't – I mean, the, the Mayock is the one, we, hey, we can find starters in the third round. Find them. Yeah. And if you look at last year's draft, Adam, there were some good players, and the difference it would make going into this draft if they nailed – we don't know about Edwards yet. Sure. I mean, he shows potential. He's got to stay healthy. But there are some good players who went after Bowden, and you wouldn't have those holes now. And – all their picks were somewhat early last year. It's not like they were taking seventh-round guys and hoping something panned out. No, they, 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 those, they, those two picks were at 79 and 80, I think it was, or 80 and 81, basically the same thing they have this year as a scenario in the third. I don't know, man. It's scary because the more I read about uh, intel and info is not as readily available as it has uh, traditionally been, I worry. I mean, look, this just, just head-to-head in the division. Right? You take Lynn Bowden. He's moved immediately. Like, Legereus Sneed is going to be a good player. He was taking 50 spots after that. That's in the division. And then people are like, well, how can the Chiefs do this with the salary? Me, right? <laughs> with the salary cap. You know? Because they get Legereus Sneed. They get guys like that. You hit on draft picks, and especially late draft picks. That was 100, 138. He, and as it said in PFF, I was looking back at some ratings because they do a great, you know, great job of with the uh, the ratings and fun, you know grading the guys later in the draft. And it said Sneed was not in the top fifteen cornerbacks on most boards, and then he's coming out and playing, you know, key key time for the Chiefs. But that when what you're saying, what you're saying, he finished is, with is... the highest PFF grade of any rookie at the position. Crazy. But what and, and what what other you look at the Raiders right now, you're like, at cornerback, are they set? Well, they could they, could they not use it to another talented person in the mix? Of course. Absolutely they could. Uh, I will say uh, pro, pro football focus guys are very – not very. They're cautiously optimistic that Arnett and Mullen fit a Gus Bradley defense much better than they fit a Paul Gunther defense. All right. And that they will be able to take a step forward because of that. Uh, but there's no guarantees there. None. And, and I think if you... Julian Blackman, Indianapolis at 85. That was after Bowden. Uh, seventh round pick, Curl, right, for a football team. He played well. I mean, it's just, you look, there's guy after guy after guy, especially at positions they needed. And, I mean, now I'm starting to talk about guys who went after Tanner Muse, too. Oh. Well, Tanner Muse, and you still, still don't know what that is, but he never saw the field. Cameron Dantzler was great to start, wasn't great late, but... You know, actually, no, that's wrong. He actually had great weeks in week 13 and 15, so showed promise as the season went along. He was pick 89. 
Bowden went before him. Well, Bowden actually didn't have a terrible season. They don't have him. I know. And unless we know the reason, they don't. Have, they gave up on him. Yeah. Highsmith, the linebacker for the Steelers. Like, frankly, rated higher than Bud Dupree his rookie year. Same, you know, Bud Dupree's rookie year. Yeah. That was pick 102. Uh, wide receiver. The, your Bills. Not your Bills anymore. No. Gabriel Davis. Yeah. 128th in the draft. I mean, it's just. Well, and, and also. Come on. You're always going to be able to pick and choose guys that have success later. Uh, and say, hey, this guy could have got this guy, could have got this guy for sure. And that always happens. Uh, but it's also why, um, in my my thought process, and, and I think a lot of analytic people's thought process, is just get more picks. Like, trade down every time it's possible. Because it is kind of a crapshoot in the draft. You don't know who's going to develop. You, you have to do your job scouting and figuring it out. But the more chances you have to get players, the more players you bring in, the more chances there are to hit on some of these guys. And so that's why I think acquiring more picks is always kind of the best way to go because you don't know who's going to work out, and you take, take your chances with more players, and you have a better chance that some of them get, get good and can help contribute. It's crazy, man, going into this draft, too. It just worries me. Yeah. That ESPN.com story. In terms of getting real info, because in the end, what do you think happened with Bowden, right? They, the, the background checks were just not enough. Yeah. And in this ESPN.com story, one NFL, check that, NFC personnel executive said, every school has a pro liaison that can give you the information. I call that media guide info. They'll tell you the kid came from a two-parent household or he struggled with grades. Everybody can get that. But can you call the wide receiver coach that coached the kid in college and get the real info that tells you, why they really aren't the right guy to take. AFC Scout said some information we got uh, this year about a player was a little more mainstream, a little more censored. For instance, there was a school that one of the coaches was talking to us, and the question was asked, hey, why did such and such not start against you know this team last year? Uh, that person said, well, it was senior night, so we decided, to, we decided to start the seniors instead. In the organization, they're like, wait, what? That's a that was a weird deal. Like that doesn't sound right. Yeah, they put in more work, and he was suspended for that game because he missed a meeting during the week, and he had missed lots of meetings during the year. And that's where you worry. Like, you know, I hope the Raiders are doing all their work. We know there are some organizations that apparently their work pays off a lot better in the draft than other organizations. Highly recommend the story. A lot of good oh, stuff. Yeah. And I know people are like anonymous scouts. Like, put a name on it. Why? Yeah. You don't. You can't get the information. No, that's they're how not, you they're, get they're those. Not, they're not lying, and they didn't even. They didn't like make it obvious what school or player it was. Right. It's mm-hmm. giving you stories behind the curtain, like, hey, this is what happens. I like. I think I, I'm getting information from the school, but then I got to go a little deeper and actually get someone else in the program because the person out front ain't telling me the truth. Yeah, and the Raiders have been open, and Mike Mack's been very open about, you know, this has impacted them and their scouting because they are, they are not really analytics, sit there and look at the numbers type people. They think their scouting department is much better at, hey, you get in there. As he said, uh, you don't watch somebody run the 40. You smell the grass as they run the 40, which is how they do things. Uh, You don't really learn things from an interview. You learn it from going to dinner and having them let their guard down or keeping them around the facility all day to where, hey, you know, on the surface, you're you're prepared for an interview. You're ready to answer the questions. You know what they're going to ask you, and you answer them in a certain way. But at some point, if you keep them around for six or seven hours – 
they might get tired and frustrated and let their guard down and show their true colors. And that's what you want to see about guys. And when, you, when that is your philosophy, and, and it's great, and it's very detailed, and it probably works out, but now you've had two straight drafts, but you don't get to do that. The Cofield and Company crew is back tonight at 1030. It's John Von Tobel and Adam Hill with their Smarter Than You podcast. Watch at Steve Cofield on Twitter or on YouTube. Who better to talk about food than these two? It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Brought to you by Nova Home Loans. All right, we'll be rolling that out tomorrow. Introduction of the Fat Pack. You get it? The Rat Pack, the Fat Pack. We like to eat, so that'll be every day. Middle of the show, and what has been rolling out there on social media is exactly why we do this, because this show is a bit softic and crazy about its food. Crazy. Uh, Von Tobel called out McKinnell, because they both were doing Crock-Pot this weekend. McKinnell said he tweeted out, or he sent us a picture of a crockpot crock meal he was doing on Saturday. And he did it for one reason, to trigger McKinnell, because McKinnell gets all crazy. He fancies himself a great chef, and he, he appears to be a really good chef. So then McKinnell did this, like, seven-different-step seven crockpot. You were mocking on him. You're like, dude, do you do anything else? Like, what are you doing? You're spending a whole day at home <laughs> cooking. Whole day. And then JVT sniffed out what looked like kind of cheating, because McKinnell's always like, oh, it's all homemade. It's all homemade. But there was a rotisserie chicken there from, you know, I think from Costco. So now McKinnell's just melted down. Now he's questioning why we even talk about food on the show. And I'm like, wait, are you new to the show? <laughs> right. We talk about well. Also, if you, if you Ryan McKittle think it's important enough to send us thirty-eight tweets during the day about your cooking, why wouldn't we talk about it on the show? Like our whole day was spent reading texts from you about your cooking. So I didn't get to experience anything else yesterday. I mean, I did because it was yes, you did a crazy weekend. But yeah. I mean, we didn't get to experience anything else. We were reading texts from you about how you were cooking yesterday. So yes, that's our life because of you. Uh, but when you're going to brag all the time that everything from scratch, no matter what, and you've got a picture of a rotisserie chicken on the counter, now he says, that's just a different meal. And we have those. We buy those chickens all the time. That's a different meal. That had nothing to do with the chicken I was making yesterday. Do you, do you go shopping and then put everything on the counter and start cooking around it? I have no, like, I, you're, I know You're so not really little. the person to, yeah, to I, ask. Yeah, I, I know so little, but wouldn't you put a chicken, as a chicken, if you're not going to eat it, wouldn't it go in the refrigerator? Yes. I would think, unless you're going to eat it right then. I mean, John's saying that he cheated with the chicken. He I would have chick- to say. He did some chicken cheating. I'd have to say, like, there's no certainty on this, but I would have to say John. the evidence points to John being right. Man, we got controversy already. Now, now McKinnell fires back that John uses bagged cheese, which I didn't know was a, a violation of some rule. He's very snobby. He is. I saw someone tweet at McKinnell like, hey, you really should just do the chicken in the air fryer. I'm like, let's not even start on that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even go with it. Sore subject. The fat pack. It's good. Each day, each day, Monday to Friday. Figured we needed to add something. That actually was not the introduction of the feature. No. Just a tease. Yes. Yes. Uh, everyone out there, go in the back. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Get in our draft contest. Time is short. Got to be in by Wednesday. Drafting for Doe. The Hart team and Nova Home Loans put up $1,000 in cash. Uh, plus, we've got a $250 Raiders Image Store draft, check that, gift card. I keep calling it a draft card. 
different era. So you can win over 1250 bucks. It's free to get in. LVSportsNetwork.com. You can pick the 17 picks coming out of the gates. Whoever gets the most correct with the team, go check it out. Drop down menu, teams, and you're good to go. It's free to get in. LVSportsNetwork.com. It's LVSportsNetwork.com, and it's presented by our friends at Nova Home Loans. 877-700-NOVA is the number to call to get that mortgage tuned up. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Was the weekend another great step for women and sports and athletics? Because I've always thought for the longest time, if you're a male, you can be an absolute creep, cretin, and still be coveted by other programs to be the coach. Because in the end, there are a lot of programs are like schools. Hey, we want to win at all costs. I don't care that Bobby Knight was a horrible human being at times at Texas Tech. They're like, we got to win. Hell, UNLV fans, we've had like five waves of hire Rick Patino. Kim Mulkey is a creep. Sure. And she just got stolen away by LSU from Baylor, which is so tremendous because she she loves ba- she loved Baylor so much. She basically said if someone comes up to you and says they're worried about the very serious sexual assault culture around Baylor football, if someone comes up and says that to you, you punch them right in the face. <laughs> That's how much she loved Baylor. That's what she said. Until LSU came calling. Now she's gone. Uh, yeah, very, very classy lady. <laughs> uh, all about loyalty. Oh, all man. about loyalty to Baylor. She'll fight to, fight to the death to defend it until that check comes in. And, uh, you know, Las Vegas-related note here. The job was open because LSU's coach left to come to the Aces. That's right. What does that say? Was, she, was that kind of a preemptive move that she was going to be gone? Or? I don't think Her record so. was solid. Yeah, I think she just wanted to go to the WNBA. Uh, money-wise. I don't know the salary. That, I don't either. Make it more than you make it a, at an SEC well, school. Going to, got, going to work for an NFL team. Wait, what? Aces Raiders. Oh, okay. You got me. I was yeah. like, wait, did I not read it right? She's going to the Aces, right? Not the Raiders. Same. All the same. One co- one corporate umbrella. I don't think I'm equipped from an info standpoint to go where I want to go. That's fine. I'll, I'll just point that's, out to that's you that. That's interesting. I'll just point out to you that Ryan is still tweeting. Is he still going crazy? <laughs> he just said, sleuthing is not for you, JVT. I don't know why you guys. I don't know why you guys talk food <laughs> on the air. Because of this. We just set you up for an hour. You're having a conniption on the web. Calm down. Sleuthing is for you, JVT. You sniffed this one out. Good work. Get on down here to the D. If it's not tonight, any other night, weekdays, or check that, weekend days, check out the hockey. This is a great place. It is a great hockey bar. Bar Canada, they got the uh, special collector's cup that you can buy, BGK collector's cup, and then great specials. Great specials. Great specials on uh, Heineken and Coors Light. We'll see you next time here at Bar Canada tonight, podcast 1030.